Hello, my name is DeRondel Beverly, and welcome to another episode of Sam Says, a podcast brought to you by the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as I'm Hip. Joining me, as always, is the Sam in Sam Says, Samantha Olds Fry, the Chief Executive Officer of I'm Hip. Sam, it's good to see you again. How are you? Doing well. Always good to see you, Durandal. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got, uh, this is probably the most jam-packed guest episode we've had so far, so we're in for a treat today. We are joined by Annette Morrison, the Senior Information Specialist and Caregiver Advisor Supervisor at CCSI Care Coordination LLC, as well as Marcia Johnson, the Director of CCU Services for CCSI Care Coordination LLC, and Jessica Grabowski, the Executive Director of Coordinated Care Alliance. All welcome to Sam Says. How are you all today? Good. I'm great. Good. Great. Good. Well, we appreciate you being here. And before we jump into our topic, Sam and I always like to just kind of inject a little bit of positive energy into uh, into the proceedings before we get going. So I will start with you, Sam, as, as I always do. 2020 is wrapping up. We always talk about doom and gloom. Give me one thing that you have uh, found in a positive light uh, out of 2020 so far. Uh-huh more time to cook at home. I figured out a really good cornbread recipe. So that is my highlight of 2020. All right. All right. How about you, Marcia? Um, I think it's my granddaughter. She was born in January and she's really made me slow down and take more time for family through Zoom. And I'm like one of the few people that I actually get to see her once a week. So she's truly been a blessing this year, I think. That's great. That's great. Annette? Well, 2020 has definitely made us think outside the box and adapt to different things. And I have a, a friend craft group that I've always been involved in, and we've done retreats. So we've adapted those to the Zoom platform so that we can still meet during this time. So it's been pretty exciting to do that and still be able to meet with them and see them on a regular basis. So. That's great. That's great. Jessica, how about you? So I think I'm a little late to the game, but I just started watching The Crown, and I will say it, it's pretty good. <laughs> if you haven't started, you should. So good. Yeah, the uh, one my wife and I we we found a lot of great shows, and you know along those lines, there've been some some numerous positives that we found, but we have also found time to kind of just decompress together and watch shows, and we just finished Queen's Gambit on on Netflix. Uh, which we really, really enjoyed. So I think that, that that was a great positive for us because now we got to watch it and spend time together, but also we're looking at playing chess. So uh, that was a nice little positive to come out of that. So, all right. So today's topic, we are going to talk about uh, food insecurity. And, and before we jump into that, Coordinated Care <laughs> Alliance is one of I'm Hip's fantastic trusted partners. Jessica, before we jump into the topic, can you give us a sense of, of what CCA does? Yes, definitely. Thank you once again for having us. Uh, Coordinated Care Alliance is a network of community-based organizations, specifically the care coordination units or the aging providers in Illinois. And CCSI is one of those partners. And we came together to uh, partner and contract with healthcare uh, for specific programs like transitional care, uh, care coordination programs, and other programs that address the social determinants of health. Okay. All right. 
Thank you. Thank you much. So to jump right into it uh, with COVID-19 continuing to spread and millions of Americans still out of work, one of the nation's most urgent problems has only grown worse and that's hunger. So today we're going to talk about food insecurity. So let's start. Uh, what, what is food insecurity? Jessica, we'll stay with you. Can you give us a sense? What, what, what is, how, how, you, how would you define food insecurity? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the obvious is not having food, right? Uh, but it's also the inability to acquire enough food to meet individuals' needs. So um, it could also look like the uncertainty of where the next meal will come from, skipping meals, um, having meals, but meals that are cheap or unhealthy over fresh foods or making tough decisions about where to spend money. So for example, prioritizing things over food, like your medications over uh, the food that you'd like to purchase. Um, So food insecurity looks a little different uh, for different people. So that's why it's really important to ask individuals in multiple different ways, um, if they're getting enough food and if that's enough food for them, if it's quality food, uh, what does that look like? Um, prior to COVID, uh, per Feeding America, one in 10 people struggle from hunger. And Jessica, how has COVID impacted food insecurity? My instinct is we've seen it exacerbated. I mean, Medicaid are the members we serve you know, they're impoverished, obviously more likely to be impacted by food insecurity. But with so many out of work, with um, we've seen costs going up, is it, am I right to assume that food insecurity has been exacerbated by the the pandemic? Unfortunately, that is true. Um, According to researchers at Northwestern University, food insecurity has more than doubled as a result of COVID and the economic crisis brought on by the outbreak. So now uh, we're looking at about 23% of households having some kind of food insecurity. Gosh, so nearly a quarter percent of our population are are households. And I, I guess when I asked that question, I thought, of course it's gone up. I mean, you know, this is, times are really hard. I don't know that I fully appreciated that it has doubled um, this year over the past nine months. I'd like to bring Annette or Marsha into this discussion. It's sort of, what is the aging network? What are the providers doing um, to sort of combat that growth uh, of food insecurity? It's so, I think, just shocking that the increase has been so significant that so many people, nearly a quarter of households are impacted. Um, What are you guys doing to sort of tackle or, or at least help mitigate uh, this challenge? Well, we're seeing uh, uh, an increased number of calls and we're applying more and more individuals, probably anywhere from just in our little McLean office from five to 10 people a week for SNAP benefits or for the Senior Farmer Markets Coupon Program, which happened this summer. But COVID impacted the, the farmer's market because a lot of the seniors didn't want to get out. They were worried about, you know, their safety and in, in, in things like that. Um, we also are have CARES Act funding. So we have um, some funding that we can apply for help deliver, have groceries delivered through Instacart and other type of delivery services. We're referring to the Home Delivered Meals Program 
Um, we're making sure that we help them get all the other all the other meals out to the seniors. Um, we are referring a lot to food pantries. We're seeing an increase because a lot of times families helped the older adult, but now that they're also employed, they're not able to assist. So we're helping the combined families with you know, grocery shopping orders. The, we're dropping packages off on porches for food and things like that. So we're really seeing an increase also in, the, in applying for the SNAP benefit. Right. Okay. And my question, I want to dig into that a little bit further. You know, we've seen nationwide longer lines at food pantries, just a high, higher need. And I would imagine that's going to impact seniors more because of that vulner, that health vulnerability. They're going to be more hesitant to engage in those sort of traditional services um, for fear of, of catching COVID. Is that what you guys are seeing? Yes, and, and that's a lot of why we're relying on our, our, our CARES Act ESS funding to be able to get the groceries to them through Instacart and other delivery services like Walmart pickup or whatever we can do to help them get their meals. Because a lot of times, like you said, the food pantries don't have sufficient food or the line is too long and they the senior doesn't have anyone to be able to go get it you know the loss of transportation services really affects the food insecurity because they don't have a way to get there and they're not able to use public transport because they're very fearful right right annette i mean what are you seeing or or there some innovative approaches or solutions um, to some of this, or, or maybe more simply, if we know of someone um, who needs food assistance, what should we do? Um, I believe, Sam, that we, um, first of all, should direct them to the social service agencies, area agency on aging in their area, so that they can get directed to the correct agencies. We we try to have a no wrong door policy so that regardless of what agency they get directed to, that that agency will do a warm transfer of them to the home deliver meal provider or provide them with a list of area food pantries that possibly have drive up services um, or direct them to our agency where we can help them apply for SNAP benefits because that's what I do. Um, basically, tell them that they can come to us and we will screen them and see if we can access those emergency senior service funds from the CARES Act to be able to do the shopping for them. You know, as long as they're over 60, we are not going to turn them away for that fund. We're going to help them as much as we can. We do have a dollar limit. We, we you know, we have to go by the funds eligibility guidelines, but other than that, we will do everything we can to try to get them assistance. That, that's that's great that you're there as a resource. And, and I think we often forget that there are those organizations that can help um, with a SNAP application um, because that is a real barrier. It's I mean, it can feel complicated and, and especially if you've never thought be in this place. Um, so to know that there are organizations there to help you navigate it, who will connect you with the resources um, uh, is I think critical to know for 
members across Illinois, you are not alone. Um, obviously, a very large percentage of people are impacted by this now, but there are organizations to help you navigate these uh, challenging times. So before we wrap, uh, I have a question for all of you. Uh, food insecurity has been uh, an issue that has been emerging in this. It has been an issue in this country and specifically in Illinois for a very long time. And to Sam's earlier question, the COVID pandemic has exacerbated the issue of food insecurity. As we're now looking at rollout of vaccines, as we're looking at a change of administration at the federal level and perhaps some additional federal assistance and, and, and funds and, and dollars to assist uh, some, some programs and initiatives, this is an issue that's not going away, right? So how are you seeing some things that are going to perhaps continue in 21 and beyond to mitigate this issue? Because we know the food insecurity again is not going away, but how are some of these practices, initiatives and services going to continue on in 21 and beyond to continue to address this issue? I have a slight answer to that. Okay. Um, one of the, the nice <laughs> nice things, if you want to call it that, that, that has come about um, because of COVID is that the people who apply for food stamps or the SNAP program um, during the months where COVID um, had first impacted, DHS increased the benefit amount that they were eligible for. So for a one-person household, it increased to the maximum level regardless of their income or assets. So people who normally would apply and maybe were only eligible for $16 a month um, and they thought, well, doing all this paperwork and going through this process isn't worth $16 a month, so I'm going to let that go. Those people during those months said, hey, it's worth $186 a month, so yeah, I'm going to get on this program. But it's, it's quite possible they will continue to stay on the program now and not fall off. Um, and still, if they drop back down to the $16 a month, still see the benefit of that and, and continue on that program, hopefully. And also because they're coming in to, for, to us to help them with their redeterminations and their paperwork, we will be able to help them continue to access other programs that they may not have normally accessed because of that. It's a, a great point in that just recognizing that there is that social safety net and sort of a larger awareness of it um, as it becomes more critical. Yeah, I, I don't think I have a solution, but I think that one thing that we can say, whether it's positive or negative, is that this pandemic has shed a light on the food insecurity of our seniors and, and the food deserts. And so therefore it'll help us take action and advocate for more and better benefits or continue benefits to help in this, in this area. Okay, and Jessica, we'll give you the last word on it. Yeah, I, I think um, to Marsha's uh, point, uh, Unfortunately, COVID has exasperated um, so much during um, during this time, and so 
although the congregate meal sites are closed, although um, places that folks used to go for food and socialization have closed, I think folks have also become more innovative. And I think that's what we're going to see more and more. I think community organizations have really come together too to help each other and go the extra, you know, 10, 100 miles for individuals. Like Annette was mentioning, even though an individual is coming in for one specific resource, they're um, as they always were, but I think even more now because of everything that has become exasperated, they are getting a wealth of information and resources and supports um, across multiple different community organizations uh, because we know that's what's needed. Um, and so these alliances um, in the communities have grown stronger knowing um, that the need is larger now. Okay, thank you much. We're gonna leave it there. Uh, we want to thank Jessica, Marsha, and Annette for joining us for this episode of Sam Says and talking about a very uh, interesting and emergent, continuing emerging topic in, in food uh, insecurity. Sam, um, as you think back on the conversation, anything that perhaps you didn't know or, or perhaps something that is going to you know, kind of push your own kind of research and learnings further from the conversation today? I think I'm just still blown away by the, the data from the Northwestern study of 23% of families being impacted and really doubling food insecurity uh, in 2020. Um, it, just the breadth of need, um, you know, is startling. Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, we, we have great partners uh, like the folks that we've just talked to who are working to, to try to alleviate and mitigate that as much as possible. Because, you know, as we talked about heading into 21, this is going to be an issue that we're going to need to continue to stay on top of, uh, not only here in Illinois, but also, uh, you know, throughout the country. So um, if you've liked what you've heard on this episode of Sam Says, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what we're doing at I'm Hip and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. We also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you are interested in becoming a trusted partner like Coordinated Care Alliance, I encourage you to reach out to I'm HIP's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or again, visit the website imhip.net. Uh, on behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm HIP, I am DeRondel Beverly. Thank you again for listening to a, another episode of Sam Says. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.